Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. What a joy to be back with you guys. I love coming to Cabot. Oh, she gave me a clap out here. (laughs) I'm praying for you. Thank you for that first clap. Everybody else went. Why is she clapping? Um, It is great to be here. Pastor James, um, I know he's on vacation, and any time that I get an opportunity to come and be part of this congregation, I jump at it. So um, I love what I receive here and our family when they come and how you guys just invite us in as part of you. That means a lot to me. So um, sorry at times you leave with your ears hurting, but I pray that your heart is full. That's the the bottom line. That's the trade-off. Okay. God, he's loud. Yes, he is. Ask my daughter. She knows. All right, let's pray. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, you are such a great and awesome God. What a privilege it is to be a mouthpiece for you that we get to talk about your greatness, the great I am, that, Father, when we get to come into your presence, Lord, that we need to know how great and awesome it is. Father, that we would show you the reverence that you deserve. That you deserve. Father, we love you. We need you today. We're desperate people in desperate times. There are moments where we don't know which way to go, but, Father, you always know the way. Father, we just want to honor you and bring glory to your name. We want to lift you up, Father, so that all men would be drawn unto you. Father, we just want your will done tonight. Excuse me today. In Jesus' name, amen. I must be tired. The value of one. The value of one. It is so important that we understand what that means. The value of one. Every one of us, I believe in here, desires to be significant. Every one of us in here searches for that. We, we want to be part of something. We want to be recognized for something. We all do. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be part of the in crowd. We all want people to look at us and make a fuss over us. But oftentimes when we're striving after that, we can't find enough of that from humans. Because the praise that you get from humans will never be all of what you need. Because God is the only one who can give you what you really desire. He lets us know that we're significant, that we are the valuable one. No matter where we come from, what we look like, what we've done in life, he values us. And I think we spend so much time wanting to be accepted, wanting to be part of this group, wanting to be part of this social elite group, when all we need is really to be part of the kingdom. What he has to offer us as individuals is more than what we could ever receive from a human. And yet we seek after these things. We seek acceptance. We, we, we change our appearance so that we can fit in. We have all these things that we want to accomplish so that people will say, look at him, he's accomplished. There's possessions out there that we want to try to satisfy this need to be somebody. There are so many people out here in our society who wonder, does it matter that I even exist? 
Does anybody even know me? Does anyone know if I was to disappear today, would anyone care? And the truth of the matter is, God does. God does. There was a moment in each of our lives, those of us who now know Christ, there was a moment where we didn't feel like we fit in anywhere. There was a moment where we just felt like we were the outcasts. But God never looked at us that way. When he looks down at us, he sees his creation and what he has created. And what he tells us in Genesis chapter 1, right, somewhere in there, that it was good when he made you. It was great when he made you. And you were not a mistake. You were not an accident. You were not the, just something that just popped up. I'm here. No, he tells us that he created every hair on our head, that he knew us when we were in our mother's wombs, and that he numbers all of our days. And that is awesome to know. How good that is to know. Many have gotten caught up into the world system, wanting to fit in here and wanting to be part of that and wanting to be part of this, but never realizing that when you come to know Jesus Christ, you're part of something special. You're part of a group of people that are going to spend eternity with the Lord forever, and that we are going to bow at his feet, and we are going to say, holy, holy is the great I am. What a special day that's going to be. But you know what? We can have that down here. We can have it every day. He makes time for us every day to be in fellowship with him. He values you. He understands you. He knows where you've come from. He knows all the things that you've fought and all the things that have come against you. He wants to be there for you. He thinks so highly of you that he tells us that he created us in his image, correct? In Genesis 1, 27, he says, so God created mankind, right, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He values you. If no one ever looks at you and tells you how special you are, God's word tells you that you matter. And I think if more people understood that they matter, there would be so much more joy and peace and love in our communities. Because when you don't feel like you're accepted anywhere, when you feel like you don't, you don't fit in, no one cares about you, you're not important, there's no hope, you don't care about anyone else either. But God does. He values that. He values you. And how do we know that? Well, how do we know that? Because he sent his only begotten son, his precious son down to die for people like us. You're valuable to him. You're valuable. And the things about us that I know that was about me is that I never thought I was worthy. All the crazy stuff I've done, all the crazy things I've said, we just get to that point where Satan just beats us down and says, no, 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 no. You're too bad. You're too rotten. It's almost what my teachers used to tell me when I was in school. Yeah, little Robert. They really wanted to say a little something else. That, that, that's really what they wanted to say. You're not going to amount to anything. You ever hear that in your life? The power and the significance of words and the damage that they do to so many of us that we could never, ever feel significant or feel like we're valued. I can still hear the words. I can still hear the words. 
of my teacher. I won't say her name, Miss So-and-so. Robert, you're not going to be anything. You're not going to, you're probably barely going to get past junior high and high school, but you're not going to do anything in life. And every time I pick up a computer, I hate those things. I hate technology. Ask them. I hate technology. I don't type. Well, how did you get through college? I had good friends. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. <laughs> so when a computer comes into my presence, I just look at him. What do you do? Who are you? What? <laughs> I just lose it. I lose it. I can't figure it out. I don't know what to do with those things. And I can always hear in the back of my mind, see, Robert, you're not much of anything. But God doesn't say that to us. In the areas where we're weak and we fail and we're not successful, he doesn't look at us and say, you failure. He looks at us and say, you're my kid. You're my daughter. You're my son. He knows everything about us. So when we get stuck on things and wondering if we're valuable to him, he makes it very clear to us that we are. In the book of Psalms 139, 140, says this, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. He knows everything there is to know about every one of us. You, have, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. He knows his sheeps, and that's what we are. He knows everything about you. So there's no reason in hiding. See, Satan wants to whisper, hey, you don't need to share that with God. Do your thing. You don't need to repent. Do your thing. Live it up. Engage in whatever. But he never tells you that there's going to be payment one day and consequences. The great thing about being a valuable one, though, is to know that God chases after us. Even in the midst of our ugliness, our rebellion, and all of the craziness, he comes for us because he is the great shepherd. And in Luke chapter 15, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the lost sheep that was once lost and needed to be found. It's really funny when we start talking about sheep. What are you called in the Bible? This is not a trick question. Everybody's like, should I say it out loud? What if I'm wrong? You're wrong. We're called goats. We're called sheep. That's what we're called. We're called sheep. Let me share you some things about sheep. I always wondered this. Does God really have a sense of humor? He does. <laughs> Let me tell you a couple of things about sheep. In Luke chapter 15, one through four, I'm going to read that verse and then I'm going to give you some detail. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them his, this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open, open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? The shepherd in this story, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're the sheep. We're the sheep. And he makes it abundantly clear 
that we ought to be, consider ourselves as humble, humble people when he calls us sheep. These are some things about a sheep. I'm going to give you a good thing first. Sheep were very valuable. They were a high commodity back in the biblical days. They provided milk. They provided food. They provided clothing. But these are the things we don't want to know. Sheep have no defense system. They have no way of defending themselves. Sheep will get out. Wolf comes. They just say, eat me. I'm not going to fight you. I don't have anything to call you with. I'm just wandering around here lost. Have me for dinner. Sheep are dumb. They're dumb. They need a shepherd to direct them. And when we were in our lost stage, those of us who know Christ now, we can remember being that sheep, correct? There was moments when we were out in the world doing our own thing, rebelling, sinning, engaging in any risky behavior that we want. And there was no one to defend us because we were from under the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for many of us, we thought it was fun. Ooh, you remember that time? But some of us remember that time. Man, I regret that. But the great thing about it is that God saw those times. He saw those moments coming in our lives, and he had already let us know that he was going to send someone to let you know that you're valuable, that you don't have to live in a lifestyle that you're living in. Sheep are defenseless. When a sheep leaves, they have no covering without the shepherd. Another thing about a sheep, sheep are prone to wonder they become overconfident. A sheep who's defenseless. I think I'm just going to go have a party by myself. Hey, bye, guys. It says that the 99 stayed, but the little one decided, I want to know what's out there. And that is exactly how we are, right? We want to know what's out there. And so many of us stepped out there on our own in all that darkness and all of that destruction, and we lived it up. And then Satan comes along and tells us, see, you're not worthy of his love. You're not worthy of his grace. Look at your life. Look what you've done with yourself. And God says, no, 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 no. I created you in my image. I know every hair on your head. I'm sending someone for help for you. Sheep are prone to wonder. They do crazy things. And there are some sheep that just are rebellious. No matter what the shepherd does, they're just going to do their thing. No matter what the shepherd does, they're going to do their thing. You got a kid like that, parents? Don't raise your hand. Don't embarrass your kid. (laughs) But that's how we are. We get in that rebellious stage and think that we're bigger than life and that we can go and do whatever we want to do because we think that we can do it and get away with it. And the Lord says, why? You're trying to fill your life up with all this stuff over here and you're finding out that it's leaving you empty, lonely, frustrated. All of that destruction when all you have to do is stay with the flock. Stay the course that I have for you. Sheep are helpless without a shepherd. And I don't know about you, but I know in my own personal life, when I wasn't walking with the Lord and didn't have a relationship with him, I was helpless. I was just doing what I wanted to do, didn't have anybody to hold me, didn't have anybody to love me, didn't have anybody to encourage me, because that all comes from the Heavenly Father and his goodness and his faithfulness towards us in spite of us. I don't know if you've ever taken a look at, the, at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 through 35. David, long before he went to fight Goliath, 
he had an encounter. And a lot of people don't talk about this. David was a little shepherd boy. He was about 14, 15 years old. And at nighttime, he was out with the sheep, and he was watching over the sheep, and he was taking care of the sheep. And there was moments where bears and lions would show up. And it says in those verses in 34 and 35, it talks about him going. When he see, uh, saw a bear or a lion take a, a sheep, he would go after the bear. And he would go with rocks and sticks, and he would hit that bear. And the bear would release him. And it says that David, the shepherd, would chase that bear down or the lion down, and he would kill it completely. That's what the Lord has done for us. He has chased down Satan and says, release my kid. He belongs to me, and you have no bearing over his life anymore. And that is the saving grace and the joy and the peace that we should have in that. David, as a shepherd boy, knew that his job was to protect the sheep. That no matter where they were, what they were doing, what danger they were in, he was going to go. Isn't it good to know that God follows us into our danger? God follows us into our madness, into our chaos. And he says, why live there when you can have this with me? David was a fighter. He was a shepherd who loved his sheep. These sheep right here, they're very significant. The one was lost. And I know most of us say, we got 99. Let's just feel good about it. Yeah. What if you were the one? You ever thought about that? What if you were the one? Would you have wanted someone to come after you? I am so thankful for the people that pursued me in my life as a youngster who told me about Jesus. I didn't want anything to do with them. I didn't. My sister Laura would come home. She'd come home from college. You know, you think you'd be happy to see your sister come home from college, you little young guy. But she would bring Christian games home to play. She would talk about Jesus all the time. Instead of being happy when she was coming, we like, Lauren's coming today. We're probably going to have to play those old Christian games that she wants. And then we're going to have to talk about Jesus. We're going to have to do all this stuff. I mean, we were rotten kids. We were just bad kids. But Lauren knew, she knew that we were lost sheep and she was constantly coming after us. She was constantly chasing us with the love of God. She was constantly telling us about the love of Jesus Christ, pouring in us, pouring in us. And I know Lauren had to feel empty when she went back to college because we would wear her out. Stop talking about Jesus. (laughs) She still loves us today. But the one thing that Lauren would always do is that she always prayed for our salvation. She was always concerned about who we were going to marry later on in life. When I was this big, she was praying for our future wives because she knew. She knew that we needed prayer and she would seek us out and she wanted something better for us. Shepherd when he looked out and saw that one was missing, it was important enough to him that he would go out and find it. He would go out and look for it. And the thing about it is that when Jesus is pursuing you, he pursues you, he pursues you, he pursues you. He wants you to be part of the kingdom. The reason he hadn't come, he's still in the business trying to save lives and change lives. He still has a job to do. And he's wanting us to open up our hearts so that he can do it or use us to lead the lost unto him. 
He has a job to do, and we have a job to do. That shepherd had a job to do. Yeah, the 99 is here, but that one is out there, and that one is valuable. He is important. She is important. I'm going out to find her. I'm going to search for her, and it doesn't matter what I have to face, what danger is coming. I'm going forward because he needs a Savior. That's how God looked down at us, that we were the sheep lost, and he needed a Savior to be sent down here to bring us back into the fold. Secondly, there's compassion in the return. There's compassion in return. Look at me at verses five and six, and it says this, and when he finds it, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and the neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I don't know about you. Who's the lost keys man in this church? Who's the lost wallet person? Do you ever feel the anxiety and the anger inside? Do you ever think Satan's playing games with you? I'll put my keys up, you know, in a good spot. I'll forget where the good spot is. Can't find them. And I'm frustrated. I'm mad and I'm mean in the whole house. Everybody's running. Everybody running. Can't find the lost keys. No, Robert, you're lost. Why don't you just put the keys in the bed with you and just pick them up in the morning and take them? But when we're lost, when something's lost, there's frustration here. But here, when the shepherd goes after the sheep, there's nothing but compassion here. There's no condemnation when he's searching for the sheep and he finds them. You know, sometimes when a dog is missing, he's running all over the place and you've gone all over the place and you can't find him and you get him and you find him, you just want to kick him. You don't want your friends and your wife to know, but me and you know, you just want to kick that little dog. Why are you chasing? Why, where are you going? It's hot out here, dog. Just stay inside the fence. Stay inside the house. When he finds the sheep, he doesn't look at the sheep and begins to condemn it. That's not what he does. He takes the sheep, and I'm sure that he looks at the sheep, and he checks it and makes sure that it's all right. He holds it close to him, and he loves on it, and it's so valuable to him that he puts it on his shoulder. There's no condemnation when they come. There's no blame game. Hey, you stupid sheep, look at your friends over here. Um, look, look at them. They're right there. Where are you? Get there. There's none of that. When God looks out at his lost people, when someone doesn't know the Lord, he doesn't look out at you and say, come on, man. It's not what he does. It's not what he does. He doesn't look at your lifestyle. He doesn't remind you of all of the badness and the wickedness and the ungodliness that you had committed. He doesn't do that. That's what our neighbors do. That's what our friends do. That's what our family does. But not Jesus when he looks down at you and sees you in all of the muck, all he cares about is picking you up out of there and putting you on his shoulders and saying, I care enough about you that I'm going to deliver you from your mess. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to point fingers at you. I'm not going to say, why did you do this? I'm just going to love you unconditionally. That's who he is. That's what he does. And I think we miss that at times. 
that that shepherd is determined, no matter what that sheep is going through, I'm going to go find him, I'm going to love on him, I'm going to hug him, I'm going to hold him, I'm going to encourage him, and I'm going to put him on my shoulders and let him know he's the most important thing in my life. You are valued. You, the one, he loves you unconditionally, and there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do that would make him not love you unless you denounce him. There was no blame game going on. There was no reminding of all the wrong and the badness that the sheep had done. There was no scolding, you stupid sheep, boom, boom, look at all the good sheep, you're a bad sheep, boom. None of that. He just, come on, come on. Because that's what he does to us. He just says, come on. With all your failures, with all your rebellion, with all your regret, with all your wounds, with all your shame, come on. I'll take you in. Your friends might turn on you. Your family might disown you. Come on. And there is someone here this morning that he is saying, come on. I am here for you. I accept you with all of the filth, with all of the rejection from other people. I accept you. I love you. Come on. And he goes on to say, and there was joyfulness, excitement. He was so excited that he told his friends, hey, neighbors, look at the bad sheep. Oh, excuse me. Look at my sheep. Come on. Let's celebrate. I got him right here on my shoulders. This is the man. And now other people said, well, what about all the good people? What about all the good sheep? Are you going to give them a party? No, they're fine. I'm going to celebrate this one right here because once he was lost and now he's found. There's celebration there. There's joyfulness. I got my sheep. He might have been a rebellious sheep, but I got him. It's the same way that the Lord looks down at each one of us. I see what you've done. I see what you're doing. I see how you're running. But I'm right here. I'm ready. As soon as you're ready to give yourself to me, I will take you and embrace you and love you a lifetime on into eternity. Amen. That's what he does for us. That's what the great shepherd does for us. Lastly, Number three, celebration of the found. Celebration of the found. Guys, let me tell you something. This excitement about who this God is and that one day us who know him, that we get to bow at his feet and we get to be in all of him and all of his greatness and say, holy, 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 that's something exciting. And I think we waste so much time saying, go raise your backs, woo. We save all our tears and all our glory for our favorite team. Go Titans and we're buck wild crazy. But when someone comes to know the Lord, when someone is finally set free from the ungodly lifestyle, there should be thunder ruin out of our mouths and out of our hearts with our hands, cheering them on that he has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time in his or her life. There should be some kind of excitement and there was excitement here. 
in verse 7, it says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. There's going to be a party. It says that the angels celebrate. They rejoice. <laughs> Woo! That's what they do. There is a celebration. Sorry, I can't dance. I know what you're thinking. That brother ain't got no rhythm. And you're right. I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country. There ain't no rhythm in these bones. None. But there's a joy. There's a celebration that goes on. When somebody comes to know the Lord, when he's repent, and repent means that he has turned away from his old ways, that he wants to change and have a better way. He wants a better life. That's what he desires. That's what's deep down in his heart. That's what we were created for, was to worship our Father. But we can't worship to him. We can't get to him except through the love of Jesus Christ. There should be fire. There should be a party. There should be excitement when somebody comes to know the Lord. When you begin to think about all the people that you have prayed for, right? All the people that prayed for you to get you where you are today, right? There should be something that goes on deep down inside of here when you see that lost person come to know Jesus Christ. When that shepherd has delivered him and set him free from all of the madness, all of the nonsense, and for the first time in his life, he has peace and joy beyond his understanding that comes from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the excitement? It says right here that the heavens, more rejoicing in heaven. It shouldn't just be rejoicing in heaven. There should be a great deal of rejoicing right here when somebody comes to know the Lord. And sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we see kids baptized and we go, oh, yeah. When it's the greatest moment probably in their life, we hear about so-and-so got saved, and we go, oh, that's good. No, that's great. That's wonderful. You see, because I know this very well in my own personal life. We had one of those guys in our lives to where a lot of people just said, let him go. He's not worthy. He's not going to amount to anything. He is a sinful person. Just leave him out there. Leave him out there lost. Jay Ward was one of my buddies from the sixth grade on up in the high school. And Jay was a guy who most of the community said, just let him in this life eventually. He was one who was sexing it up all the time. He was drinking all the time. He was engaging in all kinds of risky behavior. He was in the fights. He was in all kinds of things. And nobody wanted to be around him, but Jay Ward was our friend. He was. One night, Jay came over. And Jay had this bottle, clear, <laughs> clear bottle, I don't know if it was evergreen. I don't know alcohol. So, but let me tell you something. Jay knew what it was because Dre drank it. Womp, womp, womp. And Jay fell out on our porch. We were inside the house. Nobody wanted to deal with Jay that night. But that night I got up and I went outside and I picked him up and I drove him to the house. And the thing about Jay is that Jay kept coming around the house. He kept hanging out with the family. He kept watching how we lived, what we talked about, things that we engaged in. And Jay eventually came to know the Lord. 
You see, this is the deal. As long as that other person is breathing that you're praying for, he has an opportunity, she has an opportunity to come know Christ. You keep praying for her. You keep praying for him. You don't give up on him. The shepherd doesn't give up on the sheep. Every time that I hear someone say, he or she is a lost cause, all I do is I think of my buddy Jay. I think about him. I think about what if I would have just said, I'm done with him. You see, most of the time, men and women, we just want people that are rebellious and ruthless. We just want them to go on about their life. Just, just, just stay out of my space. When really we should be running towards them and say, we got something better. There's something better for you. There's a God out there that loves you. There's a God that understands you. There's a God that wants to save you. There's a God that wants to bring peace in your life. That should be our role. We get so caught up in the sin, he ain't going to make it. She's going to bust jail wide open. There's no hope for her. Well, if she breathes and God is God, there's hope for her. I think about those nights that Jay was drunk. I think about all the crazy things that Jay engaged in. And all I did was love him. I think about Jay now. And I think about him on the battlefield now for the Lord. <laughs> so when someone tells me he or she's a lost cause, are they in the grave? And they tell me, no, well, they got a chance. Because our God doesn't see the one as we see the one at times. When our God looks out at the one, he sees that that person is valuable. He believes that that person has a chance as long as his heart's still beating. You see, we got loved ones in our family that we kind of like, oh, here they come. Well, then, hey, you know, I'm praying for you, Jim. I care about you. I, I, I want you to have what I have. I, I have Christ inside of me. I, I want that for you. You see, in chapter 9 in Matthew, when Jesus came to the crowd, the great shepherd, and he looked out at the crowd and said that he had compassion on the crowd. And where the disciples wanted him to just go, we're tired, we've ministered all day, let's just go home. Jesus stops everything. Because he sees that his sheep have gone astray because there's no shepherd to guide them and love on them and direct them. And when it talks about he had compassion for them, it says that that's where he puts on the other person's shoes and he feels everything that that crowd was feeling at that moment. The shepherd understands where you are, where you've been, what you're going through. The shepherd understands that you need help, you need hope. The shepherd understands that you're defenseless, that you're helpless. The shepherd understands that you need a savior. And he delivers. Good thing about Jesus, he always delivers. And the great thing about him is that he says in the word that the shepherd runs and looks and searches until what? Until you're found. Praise the Lord. Amen. Think about your own life. Think about how he chased you. Some of us in here, he might still be chasing. 
And he's just simply saying, come on. Come on. I haven't given up on you. I have plenty of grace for you. I have plenty of hope for you. I have plans for you. Come on. Come on. Let go of this world system because it has nothing to offer you but heartache and disappointment. Get a hold of me. Taste of me and see that I am good. Men and women, we got to stand to fight. And it doesn't matter what cheer he's done, okay? You love him or her back to the Lord. You love on them. Because Satan will play games with them. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy, correct? He's here to manipulate. He's a liar. He's an accuser. So all they think is, I'm just rejected. There's no hope for me. So I'm just going to go be buck wild out here and do what I want to do. And Jesus says, no, you don't. See, if his people, if his people, see, the shepherd was a humble servant. It was the worst of the worst jobs in that society, and yet that's what Jesus calls himself because he was a humble man who wanted to seek those who were lost, and that's what he did. And now he has all of us, those of us who know the Lord, to get busy and to go out and tell and share and love on. What you guys got to do yesterday, that should almost be daily in our lives towards other people. Because we got some people hurting out there. And for many of those people, they don't believe that there's a God. They don't believe in this Jesus Christ. I believe in him. And there are many of you who believe in him. Let's share him. Amen. Let's share him. Let's be the shepherds. Let's share with the sheep and bring them into the fold. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father. I don't know why you care so deeply about people like us, but you do. I will never, ever comprehend that, Lord. As long as I live, I will never understand why you love people like me who rebel, who hurt other people, who still do simple things, and yet your love is suffice. Father, there might be someone out here this morning that has no idea what it is to be loved by you, to have a relationship with you. They are like the sheep that has gone astray, that is running towards all the other things, but not towards you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, is there someone out here this morning who needs to know the Lord? Because he wants to know you. And I'm going to make it very simple for you. If you need the Savior, if you need the great shepherd in your life today, I just want you to slip up your hand and put it down. Is there anyone? Is there anyone to say, Jesus, I need you this morning. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else in here saying, Jesus, I need you to be my great shepherd. Anyone else? This is what I ask you to do this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer with you, and you pray it sincerely, loudly, silently, but you pray it to the Father because he's the only one that can save you. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner, and I want to repent of my sins. I believe that you send your son to die for me. I believe that he went to the grave for three days, and on that third day he rose just for me. And in your own simplistic way, 
Just say, Jesus, come live in my heart. Take control of my life. Bring me under the umbrella of who you are and your greatness. Father, I pray for those who have prayed that prayer this morning. And Father, I pray that their lives would never, ever be the same. And then I want to talk to you, those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're one of those sheep that have been in the fold, but you've strayed away. You're engaging in all kinds of things, and God is convicting you, but you don't want to return. I just ask you this morning, talk to him. Talk to him because he's saying, you cannot go too far. Just come back. The great thing that he says is that if you confess your sins unto me, I'm just to forgive. And maybe some of us in here this morning just need forgiveness so that we can get moving back on the track and the plan that he has for our lives. Father, we love you. We're desperate people in desperate times. And you understand desperation, Lord Jesus. Continue to pour your spirit out on your people. And may we be bold about who we are in you. And may we tell those who we encounter who might not know you. The love of Jesus Christ is for them. Thank you for all that you do and all that you've done. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.